Welcome to Archibiz Unpacks, a podcast for architecture firm owners and leaders who are looking to grow their impact, lead a profitable business, and learn a thing or two in the process. Hi, I'm Beck Kempster, CEO of Archibiz and your host of Archibiz Unpacks. In case you haven't heard of Archibiz, we provide architects like you with practical business advice and education through online courses and programs, workshops and business coaching and mentoring. Each episode, we sit down with an expert in the architecture industry to bring you simple, actionable insights and strategies to help you lead your practice. Now, let's dig into today's episode. Here at Archibiz, we've been getting a lot of questions and feedback from our community about construction costs. Specifically, that is how to manage construction costs in this time of supply shortages and rising costs related to inflation. So we thought it timely to capture a conversation that can help you understand and address these issues in your practice. And who better to do that with than Richard Armstrong of ProCalc. Welcome, Richard. Thanks, Beck. Great to be with you. So for some context, ProCalc is a professional construction estimator for Australian architects and designers that calculates construction costs at sketch and early concept design. Have I got that right, Richard? Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's delivered online. So you can, um, so an architect can create a, a, a budget estimate or a, or a price guide within about 15 minutes flat just from, from their desktop using anything that they've been able to draw, whether it's on the back of the envelope or, or, or a, a more advanced concept plan. Terrific. And I think um, what's really interesting about how you came to develop ProCAC is the research that you did that really underpinned what the, the platform looks like. Can you just share with us a little bit about the research that you conducted, you know, how many architects that you interviewed? And yeah. then um, we might dive into, you know, this uh, this methodology that you have around how the Zen masters do it for project pricing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, look, my my background. Um, I'm a I was formerly a registered builder, and so back a couple of years ago, I um, developed an algorithm that I wanted to use to try and enable um, cost estimation very early on in the process. And what that and that that worked pretty well. But what I really needed to do was then engage with, and it's now been hundreds of architects, um, whereby we, um, I've done one-on-one interviews with them about the way that they um, engage with clients, the way they engage with builders, how they, how they establish costs and, and the process that they go through in those early stages for determining um, what the likely construction cost outcomes will be for clients. And so it's, it's, it's been a fascinating journey because I've really been able to um, observe some incredibly um, uh, talented practices and, and, and see the way that, that some, some of the, the, the Zen masters, as I call them in particular, um, the way that they approach managing budget and how they actually um, manage to align scope, client expectations and budget um, all to successfully deliver a, a, a built product. Yeah, excellent. And, and what I'd love to dive into is if you can give us a few tips from that Zen master process that you've outlined that architects should be aware of when they're pricing projects. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess the, one of the, the first thing that I really noticed with 
a lot of the, the these guys that we're calling the Zen masters is that they really would start budget conversations as early as possible in their engagement with clients. So um, I suppose they they would work to um, work to the end goal of you know always having a successful build with with beaming clients who are who are really happy with the outcome of the the entire process, and so what they would often say is that if you're able to start budget conversations early with clients, they if you do it early, they're still in a, at a stage where they have the flexibility to change their scope or to change their budget or go back to the financier or, or um, just change change fundamentals of the project um, far more easily than, than, you know, say, for example, if you're several months into the process and you've got a, a more detailed uh, response to their requirements, um, it, it makes it much harder to change. So that was probably the, one of the key things. Um, another was that uh, they, they really did um, endorse understanding costs in pre-concept and concept development stages. And so that would save, you know, it would mean that they, they contributed time and energy to successful designs rather than designs that, that wouldn't align with client budget. And so that, that obviously had a, a big impact in that it reduced um, redesign risks and, and time wasted. And, and the result of that was that it, it led to a huge um, productivity gain for, for their practice. So, so that was important for them too. So what's um, the, just to, if we can unpack that a little bit more. Yeah. So what, at what point in the process should they be starting to look at those construction costings? Look, I think it's, I think it makes sense to actually, even as soon as somebody jumps off the phone from that first inquiry from a client, if um, some people will even um, go ahead and construct a mud map and then start costing from there so that when they arrive for that first client brief, they're, they're really providing very up to speed and, and update, you know, updated information where they, they can actually inform the client's expectations. I, I think one of, the, one of the challenges is that clients always arrive um, at a brief with a with a budget in mind, and nine times out of ten, it's it's not going to to deliver what they need. So there is a, a bit of work there to be done. So so really, right from the very beginning, um, that can be done, but also immediately after the brief. Um, and and I think that the other thing that they do is that they they actually work hard to 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 share budget with clients in an effort to build collaboration. So, you know, so for example, they, they might produce three concepts and with each of those three concepts, they would present an opinion of probable cost. Um, the client would select one of those concepts and then provide some feedback. And then obviously that's going to create a new opinion of probable cost as well. So as the, as the feedback comes back into it. So, so being able to provide that sort of feedback to clients, it, it, it helps them understand the process, understand that when you when you do make an adjustment to the scope or the scale or the, the design, that it does actually have an effect on cost. Um, but, it, but it also helps them play a role whether, whereby they're side by side and they're, they're not second guessing everything that's being done. Um, it brings them on board and, and it, it helps them play a, an empowered and informed role in the process. Yeah, excellent. And, and so just to sum that up for everyone, we're talking here about having those budget conversations early. So make sure that you're having them with the client from the get-go to set expectations yeah. and, you know, um, providing feedback on costs throughout the journey as well. So when you're going and presenting those early concepts, have an understanding of what the cost is. Absolutely. 
Okay. Uh, quantity surveyors. Now we had a recent chat about this and well, it was actually, I heard you do a webinar with Architeam yes. and I was quite surprised at the audience response around quantity surveyors and how few seem to, a few architects seem to be using them. What's the role of a quantity surveyor and why is it important? Yeah, look, it, it, I, I believe that quantity surveyors are worth their weight in gold. So um, really their, their main function is to manage financial project risk, um, even, even at that, that when you get to that final concept stage. So um, what it enables uh, the architect to do is actually ensure that the client architect and even the builder at sometimes um, have got good solid information that's that's been sourced from somebody who's uh, registered qualified and insured to inform the process with with genuinely professional advice so I, I think I know it's always tempting for um, for clients to say look we'll, we'll try and save ourselves one two or three thousand dollars here we, we won't spend money on a QS um, but I, I really do believe it's a false economy to approach it that way um, by engaging the QS, um, what the, the the client is doing is that they're they're really um, they're sort of taking on responsibility for for what they the process that they're undertaking, and so they're, they're, again, it's it's about um, joining sides with the architect and and really moving forward in the one direction side by side, as opposed to um, discovering surprises throughout the journey. And is there a project that is too small that wouldn't warrant the use of a quantity surveyor? Um, look, I think, yeah, I mean, this, this is a, it'll be, that, that threshold will be different for everybody, but I, I really believe that, um, you know, if you're talking about projects that say are under 150K, then I think in a lot of cases, um, an architect or a designer will be able to jump onto the phone and, and you know, make a few quick phone calls to, to, um, to identify those numbers, um, you know, particularly for, for kitchens and bathrooms. Um, so I think that's, that's obviously where the, the, the QS's uh, returns or in their involvement, it sort of fades away. Um, but really anything beyond that, I think it probably does make sense. And particularly if you've got a client that um, is feeling a bit nervous or is feeling um, a bit litigious, um, for that matter, <laughs> um, it's always a good idea to have a bit have a QS involved. And so uh, it really it really does come down to the the, the client and the the project and the and the architect. But uh, I would say that nine times out of ten, you always want to have a QS involved. Yeah. Okay. And what about the scenario though, where you're going out to quote from you know a number of builders? Shouldn't quoting from a number of different builders give you an idea of the price? Look, it, it absolutely will. But I, I think the the issue is that if you get a QS involved once you've got your final concept done, you're actually able to rely on on a broader set of data that's come from across the marketplace. And so if you were to um, hold off going out to market until you've got, you know, design, detailed designs and you've got the, you've got three builders responding, whilst that will give you a, a pretty good, a pretty good market indication, um, there has been a heck of a lot of design work that's gone into it and you've got a very mature design um, that may come back to bite you if the, 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 the figures come back in higher than anticipated. So getting a QS involved for that, um, that final concept it just provides a bit of a safety net 
um, and it means that that everybody's informed about what's likely to happen. I, I think the, the other thing too is that um, conceptually, you know, when you're talking about a concept design, um, a lot of builders do find it very, very difficult to, to cost that. Um, and in my experience, they do tend to undercost just because there's there's just not the the detail in the design for the builder to be able to, to to make informed decisions. So they make a series of assumptions which tends to make the numbers a little bit skinny. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that's that's good advice there. Um, and what about the scenario where we're going out to where where someone's not going out to competitive tender? Um, yeah, look, I'm I'm a big advocate of competitive tenders, um, just simply because it it really means that you are genuinely testing the marketplace. Um, so you know, and obviously you want to you want to test the marketplace for for price, um, and that's what that's what say for example three builders will do. But the other thing that you want to do is test it for work quality. So um, really, really taking it out to a, a broad selection of builders will enable you to, to see their work quality and what's available in the marketplace. You know, a good, a good pool of builders is always going to produce a far better result in the final appointment than a, than a single builder. Um, and, and I think the I think doing that, you know, it protects both the architect and the client in terms of work quality and making sure that they're getting a, a good finished product and, and that the architectural intent was, was maintained. But it also ensures that the pricing is, is going to be competitive. Um, you know, there's always a risk that if you've, if you've just got one builder who's, who knows that they are the, the sole candidate, um, that they, they won't have quite a, as sharp a pencil as, um, you know, a, a, a candidate pool. Yeah, absolutely. And we're getting a, um, there's a lot, of, it's, it's, I guess it's not new talk, but there has been a lot of talk for a while about what is the best form of contract um, to engage in with a client. So, you know, we've got the fixed price contract versus the cost plus contract. Yes. In your research and uh, experience, what is the best option and why? What are the pros and cons of each? Yeah, sure. But, but what's, ha- what's happening in the marketplace at the moment just with all the price rises is that a lot of builders have have really had their, their fingers burnt um, and some quite severely. Um, so they're, they're understandably they're, they're recalling a little bit from that and saying, look, we're, we're just going to go for cost plus. Um, now, a cost just for for to provide a bit of context and, and sort of parameters around the two different contracts. Um, a cost plus contract basically allows for circumstances whereby the builder can't really estimate the likely construction costs. Whereas a fixed price is, is more about, you know, it's, well, it's closer to a fixed price, if you like, is probably the right way of putting it. So for the, the cost plus, the advantages are that um, it enables insights into all the actual costs because the builder passes on those invoices and costs so there's there's um you know there's that transparency um it also means that there's probably a slightly greater pool of builders to select from because some of those builders have now drifted into saying well look no we just want to do cost plus um the disadvantages, however, of a cost plus are that there's not really a commercial driver for the builder to minimise their costs. They'll, you know, understandably, it's human nature that, that 
um, they try to work efficiently for them. Um, and so they, they tend not to really focus on finding the best prices or that sort of thing. They're just trying to find the, the most convenient approach. And, and, and look, the way things have been, particularly over the last couple of years, I can understand builders needing to do that just to make projects work. Um, but look, I think that the other con or you know, disadvantage of, of cost plus is that a lot of banks will tend to balk at them um, if you're looking for finance. So really, um, they are quite susceptible to blowouts so that you've got to be really careful with those. Um, in contrast, when you talk about fixed price contracts, um, for example, with the, the, the advantages with those, they do provide greater price certainty and, the, and banks will, um, you know, lend you know, according to a to a, a fixed price contract, um, I suppose the disadvantages are that builders can be a little bit hesitant, in you know if they're if they're going to be locked into a to a number. Probably the way that I believe is the most effective for um, for clients and for architects is to actually explore an opportunity of using a fixed price contract whereby there's quite a number of PS and PC allowances that are included in the fixed price contract. So, so typically in any contract, there, there might be, you know, for arguably, there might be, say, 10 PS and PC items. What I would sort of advocate is that really um, if, if you're open, if architects are open to having builders um, top up those 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 numbers. So rather than being ten, they might have twenty or even thirty um, of PS and PC allowances. What that does is it provides a greater price certainty, but it also enables the the, the builder to actually have a bit more flexibility in their in their um, their pricing, and so it makes it a bit safer for them. So I think, and I think that's a fairly reasonable request of of builders. I think the vast majority of them would look at that and say, that's great. I think that really gives me the, um, the, the, the bandwidth to, um, you know, facilitate any price changes that come through, through from suppliers. And it, and it just gives the, the client the transparency because um, part of a, a PS or a PC change um, actually requires that the builder provides those receipts to you anyway. So it, it's sort of a, a, a bit of a way to have your cake and eat it too, if you like. <laughs> I think that's a really nice, talking about provisional sums is a really nice lead into contingencies. Uh, yeah. How much of a contingency should architects be factoring into their projects? Does that differ based on whether you're on a fixed contract or a cost plus? Look, I think, um, yeah, look, really with, with cost plus, I, I, just on that, I think your contingencies could be anything depending on, on how the builder approaches it. So I, I would suggest um, heading down the fixed price pathway and, and, and therefore understandably that the question needs to be asked, you know, what, what should the price contingency be? Um, I would say at least 10%. And I think that's a, a really key thing. But I think there's another contingency that, that often we miss, and that is the one about time. And, and really at the moment, what, what we're seeing in the marketplace is that, that builders consistently are being, you know, pushed out with their timelines just because they, they, they simply can't get the materials they need or they can't get um, the, the cabinetry or they can't get the windows or whatever it may do. And so I would actually suggest that um, a time contingency of around about 30% at the moment is not unreasonable. So um, if, you, if you have the opportunity to prep your clients for that sort of time frame delay, um, I, I think that really does make sense. 
Talking from personal experience, I can uh, vouch for that being very sage advice, (laughs) (laughs) adding that time contingency in. So, Richard, how can ProCalc help architects better manage their costs? Look, I think what it it really does is it it enables architects in just 15 minutes online and a a very simple um, pre-concept plan to, to actually crunch the numbers on the on the likely construction costs. And so what that means is that um, at any stage pre-QS in the in the, the, the process, um, they actually have a very, very reliable, market-driven, up-to-date number that they can provide to, to clients. So all of our all of our numbers are based on real projects from real builders um, and it's been calibrated um, hundreds in fact now thousands of times and so it's um it's it's their their real numbers that mean that they can then inform clients about what the actual costs are likely to be excellent uh, and for more information and I, I understand that you also have a demo that people can use to check out ProCalc is that right absolutely yeah so we've got a, a, free, a free four-week demo unlimited use so you can really give it a, a test drive and um, see how that see how it works for your practice and how it can improve um, the way that you inform clients and empower clients and, and support them um, so it's a free four-week demo um, and so you can sign up at procalc.com.au Terrific. Uh, if you've got any questions, reach out to Richard at ProCalc. Uh, we look forward to seeing how this evolves. We hope there's a little bit more stability in the market soon. Uh, fingers crossed that that will be the case. Uh, if you want to learn more about how ProCalc can help you manage your project costs, then jump onto the website and check it out. Thanks, Richard, for ha- having a chat today. That's great. Thanks, Beck. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard today, share this episode with a friend, give us a five-star review, or even leave a comment. You can follow us on Instagram at ArchieBizHQ and find us on LinkedIn and Facebook also. Oh, and if you want more of ArchieBiz, make sure you download our free eight-step roadmap for finding more and better clients. You can find the link for that in the show notes. See you next time.